0: Everybody and welcome to your favorite Average to Good podcast. Call it what you want. I'm Jimmy Conrad, alongside Jesse Marsh and Charlie Davies. And Charlie is our Average to Good holdup player <laughs> on the show. And uh, we have a great show for you guys today. Like always, we're excited to get into it. We're talking Americans abroad, of course. We're going to talk about our nailed-on picks, our automatic locks for this upcoming Nations League roster, and potentially spilling into the Copa America roster as well. So, Junior Dest. Made some comments about Barcelona and how he's never going to go back and play for Xavi again. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of the tone that I picked up on when he made his comments. We'll get into that. And of course, any fallout from the U.S. men's national team versus Slovenia. That's above and beyond what we did for our, our special podcast, reaction podcast. But first, as we do on this show, we're going to get into our call it what you want word of the day because we know the game is known by so many different things around the world soccer, football, fuchi ball, foosball, all that good stuff. So, boys, here is. The word of the day, and I had to write it out, so I, I say it correctly. Uh, here it is. This I need to know what language this is in. Ball caché. Ball caché. Am I first, Jimmy? Uh, sure, go ahead. Jesse Marsh, take us away. Ball caché sounds
2: somewhat Spanish. I'm gonna go with somewhere in South America. I'm gonna go Venezuela.
0: Venezuela. Yes. Venezuela. I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and I think they call it football there.
3: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think you're way off. Yeah. What about to you, that, Chuck? To me, that sounds real Turkish. It could be Syria, it could be Iraq. Uh, Iraq, Syria.
0: Well, I, I have some clues, but go ahead. Give us your first. No, no he, he needs an answer. answer. Yeah, I need an answer.
3: All right. I'll give him an answer. I'm going to go Balkashe. <sighs> um, Iran.
0: Iran. Okay, you guys are both incorrect. First okay. clue, first clue. Real Madrid lost the 1982-83 UEFA Cup Winners' Cup to a team from this country. Yeah, now it's turned. Second clue, Zinedine Zidane to keep it in ah. with Real Madrid. Zinedine ah. Zidane scored the only goal, a spectacular volley, in the 2002 Champions League final in this
3: country. Germany. This was God.
0: Istanbul, no?
3: Oh, in this country.
0: In yeah. this country,
3: oh um, I'll let you guess
0: Turkey. I'll
3: let the I greatest know, I, goals of
0: all time,
2: I, I, by the I, way. I,
3: okay, I remember that's against Leverkusen. That's why I say it's Germany. So he scored that goal against Bayern. Where Leverkusen. was that game? And Don't that look at game. The I'm I'm a, I'm not typing. I think um, ooh, I, I know it's on the tip of my damn tongue. It is in Azerbaijan.
0: Uh, Jesse, do you want to chime in on that before I say listen, listen, I know I I know you were in college back in 82, 83. So maybe you're watching. Yeah, I mean, you
2: know, those are the college days. Those were it was
3: like animal
2: animal house at Princeton University. Animal House (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Turkey. I'll go
0: Turkey. I'll go with Charlie. Turkey, Azerbaijan. Incorrect. So so the stadium was Hampton Park. Oh, that's Scotland. It's Scotland. And the language is Scottish Gaelic. Oh, Ball Ball oh. Cachet. Cachet. you guys both missed it i played at hampton park once it was a 1-1 draw you? all right i did my i
2: did my uefa course there at, did you really uh, in the scottish fa yeah and the, most
0: of the courses were. yeah how was that far. how was how was that journey by the way getting your UEFA coaching badges yeah,
2: yeah. it's it's laborious no question um you know, and I, I mean, it was rewarding, but, you know, the the end result is the most important thing. Um, but I will say this, the Scottish people in football are incredibly welcoming and um, kind, generous, good people. The people that ran the course, we had some great speakers. We had Andreas Phyllis-Boas. We had um, David Moyes. We had a lot of different different people from different walks of life. Um, so, yeah, it was a was, good uh, How long did that
3: course? process take, Jesse?
2: Two years, two years just for my pro. And, you know, like two years of, I don't know if you remember, there's sort of like an infamous game where we played in Philly and I left in like the 88th minute because I had to go catch a flight. I remember that. And I felt bad because Jimmy Curtin's like, you know, one of my best buddies. And I, and I, but I told him before the game, I was like, Listen, Jim, I have to leave the match early, and I know it's kind of insulting, but I have to because I have to catch a flight. And we scored to go up 2-0 at, like, the 87th minute. And we celebrated. I, like, ran off the pitch. (laughs) So ridiculous. So so yeah,
0: I'm going to continue to segue this because, obviously, we started in Scotland talking about the Scottish FA into coaching badges. And now you bring up Jimmy Curtin. How impressed have you been by his ascendancy, I would say? Because I don't think he was on the tip of everybody's tongue as being... A, a great coach. You know, sometimes when you're around different players, uh, he's an amazing human, but sometimes that yeah. doesn't necessarily parlay into being a great coach, but he's been fantastic.
2: Well, I would say this, even in Chicago when Jim came in and he was a rookie, he was coaching in in the community in with with youth teams and and he was really into it. So, um and he and I carpooled together and we would always have good soccer football conversations about you know, our team, the league, uh, what was happening in games in Europe, you know, then we spent a lot of time together because we played in Chicago a long time. Then he also came to Chivas. We spent a lot of time there together. Um, so I, I always knew that he was a good mind and a serious guy. And and like you said, he's a he's an incredibly good person. So for me, I'm just proud of him. I'm happy for him. I, I love seeing his team play. Um you know, we had some good. He and I were the two finalists for the Union job when he got the job. Um, so, and we were in constant communication at the time. And then shortly after that, I he he went from interim to full time with with the Philadelphia Union, and then I got the New York Red Bulls job. So then we were kind of rivals for for a while against each other. And um, but we've been, I think, close friends and and a good resource for each other and and very supportive. So, yeah, I, I I love watching his teams. Um, I, I think he does a lot of the same things that that we I value in terms of young players playing dynamic football. So we have a lot of good conversations about that. He's visited me in Europe a few times. Yeah, I mean,
0: I love Jimmy. Love him. That's great. That's great. Another JC. Just want to give a shout out to JC, Jimmy Curtin out there. Okay. So, Chuck, you've had a day to sit with your emotions, your feelings from the US men's yeah. national team performance against Slovenia and and do you feel any different other than you just want all 90 minutes of your life back from that?
3: <laughs> I never felt that way. To be honest, I knew what to expect coming into it. This group is far from the, the first team, right? So this was more of inexperienced young Olympic team. It's basically that sprinkled in with a few veterans, not, not international veterans for the most part. So uh, it, it, you know, I was hoping to see some players step up being in that at- atmosphere. And, and I think unlikely heroes came, came to be in terms of Esmir Barak Terevich, who was, was someone who I think caught everyone's eye in terms of what he can be in the future. Cause he has, you know, those intangibles you can't teach the confidence, the one V one dribbling ability. Um, you know, I, I, he took the impetus to, to come in and, and make a difference. So I was, I was very pleased with that. Um, you know, it was a difficult game to watch if you're if you're just looking at a result and you're looking at players to perform and, and the team performance. But ultimately, it's it's kind of exactly what I expected. So um, no harm done, Jimmy.
0: Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, Jesse, before I come to you, I'm just going to add that what I do appreciate about that game in particular and January camps overall is when you throw these guys into that type of environment against an opponent that's also fighting for their own respect – uh, and trying to get into their own national team. If we can't have guys perform in that moment, if we can't, if they, if we can't trust them against a team of that quality, how can we trust them in the biggest moments in the biggest games? So in some ways, this game could rule out more people than than keep them in. And I think that that was evident in some. There's obviously some there we want to see more of, which we talked about.
3: But who was really in consideration with this group? Was 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 there one player you go, oh? This guy really has a shot to play with the the first team because well, they've that, done this well was, in MLS. Like
0: you no, know until you know, right? You got to throw him right. out there in a game, and and you're never going to try. You're not going to play him in a Nations League semifinal. You're never going to know. You're not going to play him in the Copa America or even in any lead up games to the Copa America. So this is a good opportunity to be like, hey, that guy's got a little something. I think I can see him in the puzzle with the full mm-hmm. team in some capacity. We don't have any other opportunities to really do that. So I just thought it was a good exercise. Ultimately, yes, it's more for the Olympic team than anything else. But yeah, Diego Luna, I wanna he he did enough. Like he could have been crappy last game in the game. And you're like, all right, Diego Luna's not ready or he's never gonna be up for it, or he didn't take the most, he didn't make the most of this opportunity. But you see enough there and you go, I wonder if he had, you know, Pulisic and others around him, what that would look like. Could he elevate his performance to match their their level? And I I think he could, but we'll have to wait and see. Well, but at least he did could- enough in that game to to warrant that.
3: This, this question is for both of you, uh, Jesse, I guess, in particular. If it is mostly a under-23 camp, then why not start Duncan McGuire? Why not start Esmir Barak Or maybe, yeah, I mean, but why not play mostly an under-23 side if, if that's basically what we're looking at?
2: Well, I think it, it was a little of both. I think there are some players that are on the fringe of potentially making a 26-man roster, whether it be Copa America or the World Cup. And here's what was when I reflect on it even more, here's what is even more disappointing for me is we are going to be playing the World Cup at home. Right. And now we have a chance. And I don't care who the team is. But when we have professionals who have been called into the national team and are representing the national team, the jersey, the country, like as a very as just the starting baseline. Right. It should be about competing going after the game inspiring the country to believe that we're going to have a team on the pitch in 2026 that's going to compete and do everything we can to try to go as far in the tournament and why not compete for a title or big moments and the the saddest thing uh, and and by the way those moments don't come very often there's not like we're going to have all these games in the lead up like you know hundreds of games in the lead up to the world cup we have 20 games at home maybe in the lead up to the world cup and we've got to take advantage of everyone and make sure that we inspire the american community to believe in this team at the highest level and for me at the end of it this was too much about what the tactics and the and the soccer was and not enough about what the national team should be must be that and that is about inspiring people through the way we play and who we are with what we think of the sport And it was, again, it's another opportunity missed. And that's what we need right now. I mean, there's got, we have to build momentum so that come 2026, we are selling out stadiums. We have people that are inspired and excited and ready to support this team with everything they have. And and again, the more moments that we have like this as a team, the further and further, or the harder and harder it's going to be to capture the hearts and minds of of our people when it comes 2026.
0: So, so... So your issue then Jesse is more with the tactics then, than than cuz in some ways if I'm reading between the lines it's like the players maybe had some handcuffs on them until later on when you had a couple players they're like whatever we're just going to go out there and try yeah, to do
3: the best screw, we can. Screw the philosophy. I'm just going to do my thing and Well, listen, and,
0: it, for me for me the the one of the
2: worst words in our sport is tactics. Right? It's like when every coach when something goes wrong he'll he'll fall back on tactics and or will use this word tactics and ta- let, let's let's substitute it with strategy, okay? And when you go into any match, you have to have a strategy about what you want to be and what you how you want to perform and what the 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 common idea of the way you want to play the game is, and you have to understand what the opponent's way of playing or strategy is going to be, and then you have to make sure that during the game you find a way to make sure that the game is more on your terms and you're doing the things that you want to do more than what the opponent does, and Again, when I look at it, when I look at that game, that game was played almost entirely in Slovenia's terms, right? And they were perfectly happy with allowing us to pass the ball around the back and, and put together 10 passes going sideways and backwards. They never were threatened by anything there. And we never really imposed our will upon the game with how we what we were doing with the ball, with how we were running, with how we were connected and in again, and then again, I mean, I could go on with a lot, of, a lot of different ways of describing this. But in the end, it was a a, a, a dispassionate performance that was focused too much on where to pass the ball. That's how. That's the mm-hmm, way I feel mm-hmm, about it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there were moments, and we talked about it in our podcast before about the game in particular. Well, you saw flashes of that, but it was that consistency of that mentality and that mindset that I think, to your point, was a little disappointing for me on the defensive side. I always like "Why are we dropping so deep? Like, why aren't we getting after these guys? Yeah, you know, whether it, it, whether it's a high up the field in the in the mid block or even in the low block, like just just get after these guys." No, after there was the I, I was missing a little bit of that, you know. Yes. So I, I agree well, with you on that.
3: And and just to 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 kind of go off on it because I see Ivis like, "Oh, it's mostly a under twenty three camp." No, it's not. Because DeJuan Jones starts and Shaq Moore starts, and those both aren't twenty three under twenty three. Brian so White you, starts. What 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 could? Have, but I'm saying even from the back to the front, you had an opportunity to play Caleb Wiley, who you you liked a little bit. Just he's he's different pace. He can play left I back like more advanced. Uh, John Tolkien. So I was thinking it's whoever's going to play more as a left back in that position is probably in Greg Berhalter's mind and Marco's mind that th- they are the first choice of the two for that left back spot. So we didn't even really get a chance. That Tolkien came in, but he obviously didn't have his shooting boots on. You know, good positioning, but not, not sharp with the ball, okay? And Caleb Wiley, same thing, looked pretty good, but it was such a short stint that you can't really make anything of it. And then Shaq Moore on the other side, yeah, he was in advanced p- positions, but that's ultimately taking away a spot from someone that you really want to see you know what Shaq Moore is about you know what he he's good at his strengths are you know what his weaknesses are they were on full display in this game and it's the end product and and some of it is is the the one-on-one defending but obviously Slovenia wasn't even interested in in putting pressure on him like that because they were just playing direct they'd sit back win it and, and go forward so you, you could have easily played Dewan as the right back and then Tolkien or Wiley and then obviously Timothy Tillman is also not a 20 under 23 so you, you miss a uh, an opportunity to play someone there and, and I get it you want to mix it with old and young but you have one player and that's all the one player you need that's over 23 and that's Miles Robinson and you let you let the rest of the kids play right and um, and Brian White obviously up top so for me it, it is not anywhere near. An under 23 team, which you could have had, which you really would have I think tested those guys a lot more, not only for the Olympics, but for the future. Mm-hmm. And Esmir and Diego Luna are the only two that showed you something. And it wasn't like mind-blowing, but they showed you something that okay, I'm intrigued. I'd like to see more of those players at this level. So that that's my point, is I would have liked to see more under 23s tested in this environment because then to your point, Jesse, I think we're, we're getting more pressure. We're getting more advanced. We're, we're, guys are probably going to be more apt to try and be a little bit daring and, and show the, the energy in, in terms of instead of just sitting back slow side to side and not and not very uh, enticing and, and aggressive.
0: Yeah, still a lot to talk about with this game. I didn't realize we were going to get into it that much. <laughs> yeah. But hey, that's why we keep we're having unpacking. The show. We, keep unpacking. We, we keep unpacking. There's a lot of layers here. We're peeling it back like an onion. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our first break of call it what you want. When we come back, we're going to get into our locks for the Nations League. Who should automatically be on this roster? We all put our names together. We don't know who said what. And then we'll come back and reveal that for everybody. Don't go
1: anywhere. Welcome
0: back to the average to good. Call it what you want. I'm Jimmy, alongside Chuku and Jesse Marsh. Chuku's a shout out to a word of the day from I don't know how many episodes ago. It, South, South we just, Korean. <laughs> we're just uh, we're just making sure you guys are listening to all of our shows or watching all of our shows, and we appreciate your support, of course. But now let's get into it. Our locks for the Nations League roster, which is happening uh, in March, and uh, we're excited to. To get into it. Now it's a 23 man roster, and we threw those over to our producer Des Norris. Like, who do you think is an automatic lock for this particular window of time and in these big games? Now we are the back to back champs, so we're going for the three peat here. But here are 13 names. We we came together on 13 names. We have Matt Turner, which is looking shakier by the game. Chris Richards, Tim Ream, who's hurt right now, Serginho Dest. Anthony Robinson, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Gio Reyna, Timo Weah, Christian Pulisic, Ricardo Pepe, Flo Baligan, and Malik Tillman are our 13 locks. So that means there's 10 spots up for grabs. That's that's a little more than I had anticipated. I threw over a roster like 22 to Dez, but apparently you guys just went with who you thought for sure. Well, Chuck, what did you put? Like three guys on there? Yeah, Chuck. Who you who who are
2: your Chuck locks, put on Chuck? Three players.
3: Re- My- Come on now. (laughs) All right. My locks. Locks. Turner, goal. And the only person. The only one. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Des Scali, right backs. Locked. Scali. Scali.
0: Wait. So say it like this. Let's give everybody a framework. Are you trying to give two players per position? Is that kind of how you're approaching this? No. I'm, up, it, I'm, I'm, just, locks, right? I'm just giving just you locks.
3: It has nothing to do with how many... Stop yelling
0: at me. Okay, I get yeah. it. <laughs> No,
3: okay. Here we go.
0: <laughs> I could see Scally, but I don't have him on my list. I have Scally on mine.
3: I, I think he's 100% a lock. Okay. Just, just given... He, he's playing he play much back playing both sides but also his performance in the Nations League final against Canada having to step up for Serginio in his uh suspension was was fantastic playing against Alfonso Davies so I think it's just an automatic um Chris Richards and Tim Ream Locks Anthony Robinson lock uh right, wait a McKinney, second. Moussa, lock, Carter Vickers
0: you? Carter Vickers CCV's in mine I think he's if he's healthy um, he's
3: in for sure yeah I, th- I- I'm just—I don't know where he is with his health. That's—that's yeah. that's the only thing. So okay, I think he's going to getting back as a lock.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, like—I didn't put Tyler Adams because Tyler has a long-term injury, and when he comes back, how he comes back is still, I think, a question mark. But I think CC exactly is is not out as long, and I think he will—he will get himself healthy and be ready to go. You know,
3: I, okay. I would—I I would agree with you that uh, with with him being a lock as well. And um, what about Miles CC Robinson? Miles help. Robinson yeah. is not a lock for you. <sighs> you know he's not a hundred percent a lock for me.
0: Okay, so so that means you have Reem. I Reem's not healthy right now either. So so there's right. a possibility that yeah he might not be available. But but if you're saying that Reem and Richards would be your starting center backs, then
3: um, yeah,
0: I could see that. And then you have then CCV
3: and. And miles and and, and and then that's the the fourth McKenzie. spot. I think it's pretty it's pretty open. I mean, see McKenzie linked to Leeds right now. Mark is playing a lot, and I think this year was super important for him. But again, it's just that getting over that curve, that the hump, because it seems like every time he gets a chance with the first team, it, it goes to being nervous, and, and he's not playing like himself. And the decision making on the ball is always the safe option, and. You know, I just feel that he hasn't been able to adjust <coughs> adjust yet with the first team. Right. And I'll always say, once you get your club football right and you're playing consistently, it just makes it that much easier for you to transition into the U.S. men's national team. And that usually is, is how it works. And I think for McKenzie, it's kind of been starting one game, off the one game, maybe start three, on the bench for three. And so it's been pretty inconsistent. And now he's starting to get consistent minutes at the club level, starting being a consistent starter, and I think that will help him with that transition. So I think he's in the mix. I think Austin Trusty's in the mix. Um, you know, who's been playing consistently for Sheffield United, even though they're not great, he I think he's really stepped up in that back line and been somebody who's m- more consistent than than not on that team. Um, what and do then, you think yeah, about yeah, so.
2: playing with three in the back versus playing with four? So in trustee's case, uh, you think yes. that has an effect on the, the decision to bring him in?
3: I do. I think if you play with three in the back as a left center back in that three, that really helps his case. They really like him in that spot because he feels natural. He's athletic as hell in a three man back. So a three man back line, I think he would excel and that would give him a better shot than just playing in a four-four two. Four, can we three, can
0: we hit three. timeout on player names and just talk formation a little bit? Cause Jesse, I'd yep. love your thoughts. I, I threw out the three five two or three four two one or whatever you want to s- slice it. Where cause we I feel like Jedi, Anthony Robinson, and Sergino Dest are prototypical wingbacks, especially yeah. in that type of system. And, and we have the guys. So it seems like why not add a, a third center back in there and allow those guys to really bomb forward with that reckless abandon that that you can tell that they want. And not that they don't do that already, and they can work against lesser opponents, I suppose. But but for us to really maybe take advantage of it and then defend with five in some ways, I, I liken it to to what I'm seeing with Bayer Leverkusen and Javi Alonso, where you have three dedicated center backs and you have two holding midfielders that that should be able to defend most situations as most players try to recycle back into getting behind the ball if you lose it uh your thoughts on on that do you think this team could do well in a back three
2: well i think you know i think one of the ways to do that is actually to rotate one of the midfield players maybe into the back line for buildup, which we know burr alter likes to do that's true um so and i and i agree with you that for sure, Dest is more like an attacking uh, outside back. This is this is clearly his strength. I think Robinson's strength is really the ability to get up and down. Um, so I think you could even kind of how I, I, even how when sometimes I think when you when they, when they're at their best, I think Robinson is that. I think he has the flexibility and the engine to be the sort of. The, the X factor of, of how they build and then how they attack on the left side. And, and does Pulisic come a little bit deeper and Robinson slide inside. And then he looks like he's running in the deep more. So there's ways to do that without just playing a full three in the back, I think, because mm-hmm. still players like way, we- way I think has that way and Pulisic have the ability to be inside at times and be beyond the touchline. And so I think the more players we have like that, that you can create more of these, these rotations and flexibility. So um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think that we are aggressive enough with our backline players to play five in the back. I mean, defensively. You know what I mean? To like really step mm-hmm. out and forward defend and whether it's the three in the back line or even Destin and Robinson when they're in that position, you need – I think you need powerful center backs that are aggressive by nature and want to be the kinds of players to step in and, and, and defend in the midfield. Which
3: so, rules out Tim Ream for, in yeah, that case.
2: For sure rules out Tim Ream. For sure. And I don't think any of them are necessarily of, of that strength or that ilk.
3: Yeah, I would say Chris Richards and Dream. That's just not their game. Uh, w- if you watch the the last match um, for for Crystal Palace with Chris Richards as a center back, this was probably the most uh, shaky I've seen him in a while. Because on the on the goal, the first goal for Arsenal, Gabriel Magalish just absolutely dominates him in, in the box and, and skies over him and heads it, but just before that he had a ball he's trying to play a switch it was under hit he just didn't look confident on the ball and i know it's arsenal i know they're coming in waves but it felt like he was unsettled from from the first minute of the game yeah, yeah. so that shows you if he, the higher up the pitch he is that that's not playing into his hands and it's certainly not playing into tim ream's hands at this at this stage in his career
2: it's one Wait, of the reasons it? i didn't like chris richards in the midfield right is because he wasn't naturally uh, the, uh, the mobile enough and quick enough and then aggressive enough mm-hmm. to attack balls into those spaces.
0: No, that's yeah. It's kind of interesting to see where, where Chris is going to net out. I, I think it's going to be at center back, of course, but, yeah. and I think I've talked about this before at some point along the way, but I remember playing for Bruce in, in the gold cup semifinals. And we went with a three, 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 one. And it was me, Eddie Pope and Oguchi on in the back. The next line was uh, Johnny O'Brien, and the next line of three, then, then Chris Armis and then Steve Torundolo. And then the next three was, I believe, Bees, Landon, and Clint. And I can't remember who was up top, maybe Eddie Johnson. But it was it was or
3: McBride. I was it say McBride?
0: I don't know if McBride, it could have been McBride. I'd have to look back at that roster. But it 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 James, gave us so R. much Casey. flexibility, though, in terms of how we moved. And and obviously Torundalo would drop in and almost be the right back given the situation. And Johnny O'Brien at times would, would drop in to be the left back, and he could pick up the ball in different spots. And, and obviously, uh, uh, you have to have players that that
3: Johnny O'Brien have a class. good a
0: good IQ of of the game to understand when and where to to create those pockets, find those pockets, and then take advantage of that. But I always I always kind of think about that when I'm now coaching. Like, when does that start to fit in, and how could you really? I just like the flexibility of the system. I thought that was interesting. Uh, not to say our players couldn't be capable of that, but I I, I wonder if we're to your point, both of you guys' points are we playing to the skill set of the collective uh, and, and what we can. Uh,
3: this is the, the only negative I have about the three-five-two is you're adding a, a center back and taking off a more talented, uh, more I, I think a player with more ability in, in the attack. Yeah, half. sure,
0: sure, that's fair. So uh,
3: I think our strengths are obviously our attackers at, at the moment, our midfield for sure, and then and our attackers. So. I can't envision a lineup, our best 11, without Timothy Way on it. I just can't see it. So... Mm -hmm. If, mm-hmm. if you did a three-five-two, you're eliminating him.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and good for point. me, that, that that's just that just that's can't enough happen. for me. I'm off the th- I'm off the three-five-two. Right. We're getting back <laughs> to it. Okay, okay, Jesse, give us. So you, you said you didn't have Tyler in the in the team. Who who are your holding midfielders? Like who are your locks then? With if I tell Tyler's you, I, I
2: switched today because I I was watching the Betis Barcelona game and Yanni Cordoso had a had a really really good match, and they it was two-two when they took him off, and that's when Barcelona really. I thought got more control of the match. So I think they need another defensive minded midfielder. So I, I, I wind up putting him in and, and I'm, I'm excited to see the possibility of what he can become. Um, I went with a player um, not known as Yusuf Musa.
3: Yeah. 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 Not, not the twin. <laughs>
2: Obviously we know he can play as a double six. So, I mean, him and Cardoso If Tyler's not available, this could be a possibility. Uh, then I went McKin. with McKenna, Reina. Uh and I, I still had Brendan Aronson. Mm. So so it's I a uh, lock. Yeah. Yeah. Because of his past performances with the national team. And and even though he's not playing much with Union Berlin, I, I think they need him in the team. I think they they need his his uh, his ability and his experience and and I know he's not at his best right now, but I still think I still think I'd bring him in.
0: I, I agree with you about Brendan Aronson. I think that he has a player profile that might be just slightly different than what we currently have. And he's an energizer bunny, right? He just continues. He's so relentless in his movements that, that there could be a time where that becomes advantageous. And I just think it, it forces things to happen. They might not always be exactly what you want to happen, but he forces action, uh, especially in the attacking third. So, so I do think that spirit in particular, and, and uh, I just think he's a, he's a good character to have within the team and has a tremendous attitude. You would know better than most Jesse. So, so I, I, I think that he should he should, I think he's a lock for sure. Charlie did you guys have anyone else?
3: Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I had uh I mean Wea, Reyna, Tillman, Malik Tillman. I think he's a lock. Reyna's a lock. And then obviously Pulisic, Balogun, Pepe. Those that that was the remainder of my locks. And I love the Cardozo shot shout out because Cardoso is a
0: mine. Yeah.
3: Cardoso is 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 a baller, and I think he's only just getting started as he continues to grow, and and Betis is obviously a a strong team in La Liga. But after Nations League, I think if you're looking at Copa America, even though he fits the profile of what you'd want at Copa America, if he's not going to start, I would rather, since he is an Olympic-age player, I'd rather him go to the Olympics. Cardoso. Yes. Yeah. Where he'll play every game.
2: I know, but I think I think if he's establishing himself, he's gonna play a role in one of the I mean, whether it's off the bench or, you know, with with, if if they can advance themselves or if they, they do well in the first couple matches and they need someone to provide some minutes, I think he's got to be available for the, for the team in Copa America. Burhalter, I think, has to be treating Copa America like this is a big tournament for him and for the team. So for me, the, the Olympic team has yeah. to has to be a side, side factor. They, they have to focus on exactly what they need to be successful down uh, in that match, in that tournament.
0: I would say De La Torre is going to be in the mix, if we look yeah, at his current form actually going to assist midweek and and also just another player profile that is a little bit in contrast to some of the other guys that we have
2: fair enough and he I picked him as my player this week and I so I watched both both matches he played and, and he scored a good goal and he he had two good performances and so he's he's now become a big big player at Celta Vigo so I think that's fair enough
0: yeah another fair. player too a uh, Josh Sargent I think he's done enough no two two get into this team. I, I'd like to see him again, be around the group. He's a, a back and healthy. He was a lock for me. I don't know how you guys feel about Josh Sargent. Chuck, you go first as our resident number nine.
3: I'd, I'd be willing to say when he's in form, he's, he's number three. So I have no issue with that. Um, Even though he'd be tough. starting
0: and getting more minutes than Ricardo Pepe? I mean, listen, I have nothing but respect yeah. for Ricardo Pepe, who's had to fight yes. uh, um, yes. and, and fight for minutes for club and country.
3: Jim, the the, the the easy answer is yes.
0: <laughs> now I mean, we know he's serious, Jesse, when he calls me Jim. Jim. <laughs> the, 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 James. James. R-
3: remember, Ricardo Pepe, yeah, he's he's in a he's in a difficult situation. He's behind the club captain, Luke Dion. I get it. This is I a Dutch it. international. And when he's played, he's made an impact. I mean, the guy scoring in Champions League, creating goals in Champions League, that that counts major 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 uh props to to Pepe. and then not to mention that he came in the nations league and he and he scores off the bench right so yeah, yeah. um th- this this is a player who shows he's he's ready for the moment he's growing and he's got the right mentality so that fair enough he's fair he's enough, number Charles. 2 fair yeah, enough and, Charles
0: and, and and Charles I uh Chuku Charles Chuckwagon. And listen I I and 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 Ivas makes a good point here in our, our little chat that Balogun starts, he's gonna be the starter and Pepe By the way, that- Balogun played played also on the
2: wing this week.
0: So, so
3: played up top and they slid back a
2: little bit more to the right.
3: There's there's no plot twist because Balogun ain't playing <laughs> on, on the wing for this US win National team. I, know, no, no, right right now.
0: Ah, I triggered Chuku over there. I got him. I got him. I got him. I got him.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, how to, you know how to trigger me. i tell you. I that. love
0: that. All right, we're going to uh, take our second break of Call It What You Want when we come back. We're going to get into Americans Abroad and obviously looking forward as well for some notable fixtures and our players of the week. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So come back and join us.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Call What You Want. I'm
0: Jimmy alongside Jesse and Chuck, and we are getting into it, Americans Abroad. But before before we get into performances that just happened, we want to give a shout-out to Christian Pulisic, who was just named as the U.S. Soccer Male Player of the Year for the fourth time. He's won it in 2017, 2019, and 2021. He's now tied Landon Donovan for the all-time record. Uh, So that's that's, uh, pretty cool. Good for him. He's only 25 years old. He led the team in goals and assists, the U.S. men's national team, that is, this particular season, off to a great start with AC Milan. So that's who we all voted for as well in our, in our make-believe uh, call-what-you-wanties, the wanties. And uh, then for the young player of the year, it was Kevin Paredes, who ends up winning the award over Benya Kramaski and Gian, Gianluca Busio. So congrats to him. Obviously, breaking into the Wolfsburg First team playing well at the U-20s, getting his first caps and making an impression with the U.S. men's national team. And uh, fun fact, Jesse Marsh had him as one of his locks for his yes. roster. Yes. Unbelievable. Well, give us a little bit more about Paredes. What what, do, what makes him special for you, Jesse? Well, I think he's a perfect
2: player to bring off the bench, right? Dynamic. He can 1v1. He's a sprinter. He, a lot of good things he could bring to an open match. So, uh, yeah, that that he for me fits a, a really good category for someone – when you when you're uh, even, I think he'd be best when you have the lead, right? To put him on the pitch and have him defend a little bit and work against the ball. When you win balls, be in transition, he could be super effective in that way. So yeah, I have him. I have him in the squad.
0: You heard it here first. When Jesse gets back into it, he's going to be signing Paredes in the near future. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just throwing it out there. All right. Notable results. Matt Turner. Matt Turner conceded, conceded three goals in Forrest's three two defeat to Brentford. Uh, Luca de la Torre scored an assist. And a Copa del Rey win over Valencia. Josh Sargent opens the score in Norwich's 2-0 win over West Brom and Daryl DK. He came on as a second-half sub. Serginio Des provided the game-tying assist. The, actually, it was uh, they were leading 1-0 a couple minutes in and their 1-1 draw against Utrecht. PSV's 17-game winning streak comes to an end. And Johnny Cardoso, we talked about him a little bit earlier, makes his Betis and La Liga debut in a 4-2 defeat to Barcelona. But as Jesse said a little bit earlier, it was 2-2 when Cardoso got subbed off. And then it ended up four two. Was that the reason? We're going to say yes, absolutely. So let's yes. get into our three players that we're paying attention to. Chuck, we haven't heard from you yet in this segment. Who is your player that really stood out for you over this week or weekend?
3: It would be Weston McKinney. Um, mm, I don't job. think we do. I I don't think we give him enough credit because we hold him to a higher standard. You know, we hold him to the Christian Pulisic standard in in terms of what do you, what we expect from him every, every match. And, you know, it's this season, he has revitalized himself. And I think when you talk about a player with playing with purpose in the midfield and and earning the trust of a manager like Allegri, which takes some doing, he's done that. This is his 13th straight 90 uh, 90 minute appearance in Syria for Juve this season. So that's incredible. I mean, the last match he missed, Because of yellow card suspension, and he still plays, and he still gets ninety minutes uh, the following match. So he had an assist today; Um, should have been a goal. Vlahovic uh, just nicked it before it was about to cross the line. So in terms of of his performance, I thought he was he was fantastic. Three three for three on his tackles, uh, three recoveries. Um, He had eighty three percent passing percentage, which is good. It could be better, but ultimately, I really liked his influence in the game. He was arguably the best player on the pitch behind, behind Vlahovic who scored the two goals, scored two goals today, but, um, a really impressive performance from him. And I, and I just love how he has matured into this player who gets it in terms of the balance of making it fun, enjoying the game, and and also getting the most of yourself being serious and, and knowing when to be serious versus knowing how to lift guys around you and how everyone, how he, he attracts people to him because of his personality. So, um, I love the fact that he's thriving. he deserves it. he's He's obviously had to work really hard to get to where he is. Um, so I, I mean, jesse, you have you have to be thrilled given how things kind of didn't go well for him with the, the loan to Leeds and in the build up to the loan to Leeds, and and he goes back and he he realizes it's do or die at this point. You, you either have to it's sink or swim, and he he's obviously swimming.
2: Yeah, it was a shame that I only had him for a week because I had big big plans and intentions. To help him grow as a person and as a player. And what you talked about there, I think is the key with Weston is we all know he has a big personality, and that that's a that's always a positive, but how to use it in a way so that it makes him a better professional and it makes him a better player. And so I'm happy to see him playing well, like you said. And and yeah, I think we talk about him enough. And I think I think we respect him a lot, and I think we need him. We all know we need him. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for him that he's found his, found his way in Juventus again, and that he's performing maybe the best in his career. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. I like that, that word influencing that you used, Chuck, that he was one of the most influential players on the field. And I think that's the highest praise you can give someone that if you took him off, you would notice that they weren't there. I mean, his presence is really driving Juve this particular season. I agree with Jesse. This is probably the best I've seen him play consistently. Over his career, it's a really long stretch where he's had a lot of impact and influence on a very big club over in Europe. So it's very exciting. Now, Jesse, how about you? Who's your Who's your player that you want to talk? Yeah, about?
2: Yeah, I already said Luca De La Torre, and I, I'm trying to mix it up a little bit. And I feel like we haven't talked about Luca at all. And he's established himself as an important player with Celta Vigo in the cup match they had against Valencia. Uh, they won three one. He scored the first goal, uh, a cheeky, clever cheeky little goal. flick mm-hmm. off of a corner kick. And then he he winds up making a really influential play um, to put a good cross in so that they they seal the game at 3-1 and they move on in Copa del Rey. So that was an important match. And then they played against Real Sociedad um, uh, in the league on the weekend yesterday. And, I, and I, he had a good match as well in that game. And they were a little bit unlucky. Um, Bryce Mendez scored a, a great goal. And uh, he got around Luca de la Torre a little bit on that play, but there wasn't much he could do. And he hit one from like 40. In the corner, um, but we know Sociedad is such a good team, and the game was dynamic. And you know they they've used him on the left a little bit in a four-two-three-one, mm-hmm. and they play compact, so he doesn't play like a full-on winger. He still gets to play like an interior midfielder, and he finds the ball and and he does. He's very responsible defensively too. He does the job on whoever he's playing against in transition he's not the most dynamic player but he gets himself on the ball a lot and and usually keeps the ball and helps make good decisions to help set up plays in the attacking third so i think he can be a you know you talk jimmy that you had him in the roster and i and i i can see why and i can i can accept that i think that he deserves to be there um and i'm you know again i think to to establish yourself even even if Celta Vigo's not having the best season the fact that you're in La Liga playing regularly, I think that's a big statement for, for an American player. So, yeah, he's doing well.
0: Yeah, I love that shout. I am going to go to England and get into the championship and talk about Josh Sargent. He's got one goal in his last three games, but Norwich, who are now eighth, so only a couple points out of a playoff spot to get uh, back into the Premier League. He's got a goal, and he's been active, and he had uh, the game winner against West Brom this particular weekend. And I really loved, in particular, the details of, of how he created this goal in himself another player did the work won the ball in midfield a- and had good presence of mind to kind of wait for things to develop but while that was happening Josh does an excellent job of of looping his run to create the passing lane to get himself in a good spot so that 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 ball could be played to him in that area the timing of his run was perfect it looked like he might have been offside he wasn't it really speaks to to his his understanding and timing there and then Obviously, some, uh, some, some good composure when he got in behind and was one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Maybe not the cleanest finish of all time, but if it hits the back of the net, who gives a crap, right? As long as it hits the back of the net. So I really have been impressed with his resurgence coming back from the injury. And, and for me, he's a lock to be a part of the Nations League. And i kind of curious to see, because there's so much competition in the area, attacking areas of our team, where uh, Greg Berholtz and the coaching staff would elect to use him. it Could it be out wide? We've seen him do it before. I think he's more effective up top, but obviously a lot of competition up there as well. All right, so some notable fixtures that are coming up. Just so everybody knows, circle these on your calendar. We got Fulham and Liverpool happening on Wednesday. That's a League Cup semi-final. So hopefully Tim Rehm is healthy. I know he's back in the 18, but uh, we'll see what happens. Anthony Robinson, Liverpool have been interested in maybe signing him. So we'll see what happens there. Feyenoord's taking on PSV and the, the Dutch Cup. So that should be a good, very good game. Uh, Juve is playing Empley this upcoming Saturday. AC Milan taking on Bologna. Milan had to come back to win 3-2 in that one. Liverpool-Norwich FA Cup uh, happening on Sunday. So a lot of big games. All right, we're going to take one of our last breaks of Call It What You Want. When we come back, we're going to talk about Sergio Dest and some of his comments about not returning to Barcelona if Xavi is there. So a little controversy. Let's get into it right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to Call What You Want. I'm Jimmy Conrad, alongside Jesse Marsh and Charlie Davies, and we're going to get into some transfer news, or maybe future transfer news, because Barcelona loanee Serginho Dest has been recently talking about his future and says he won't come back to the camp now if Xavi is still in charge, and uh, that's that's quite a statement to make because he's still a loanee, uh, and apparently there's a 10 million valuation. On his, uh, if they want to buy him, PSV has the right to buy him after this loan spell is done. And apparently they're interesting in activating that. But it's pretty early. And, and uh, he says, and I quote, only if the situation changes there, and he's referencing Barcelona, Xavi is still there now. So at the moment, no, that will be too difficult. Uh, he then went on to add, I think Barcelona, PSV and I have something to say about that. And right now it's too early to talk about it. Every player has his goals and every player wants to play at the top. That also applies to me. In the long term, I'd like to return to the level where I came from. But a season like this, I just have to enjoy it. So my full focus is at PSV at the moment. At the end of the season, we will look further. Maybe I'll stay. Maybe I'll go. Malik is in a similar situation with PSV and Bayern Munich. But fortunately, we don't have to resolve anything yet. So, Chuck, I'll come to you, actually, on this. Thoughts on, on these, these comments? Pretty early. Uh, we're only in January. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think from from my experience, you never want to burn bridges. Y- you have absolutely no idea if Xavi will be the manager or not be the manager, and if Xavi's st- stance changes on you based on how you've performed and how you've carried yourself and how you've grown, because managers can always change or change their view on you or 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 what they had maybe thought of you because you went and you did exactly what he wanted you to do if if on loan. So or. Maybe Shabby becomes an assistant manager somewhere where you want to go. So why, you know, it's, it's just, just focus on your game. Don't worry about your contract situation. These are things that you don't talk about in the, in the, in the press, in the media, your contract situation, who you like, who you don't like. You do that behind closed doors. You let your agent handle that stuff. You just always take the high road. And for Serginho Dest, it's I'm enjoying my time at PSV. I love, the, the, the competition and the team that we're playing and we have a great manager and and I I love the system and I'm just focused on my development. Done. You don't need to bring up Xavi. You don't need to bring up Barcelona. I'm away from Barcelona alone. I'm focused on my job here. The old Bill Belichick, right? You know, it's just, just focus on your job, which is playing your best for PSV, playing consistently, staying healthy and continuing to develop. Done. Leave it at that. You can even shout out your your manager for PSV if you if you felt the need, or or your teammates at PSV for helping you thrive and helping you adjust. But that that's it. It, It's you know that just screams immaturity, just not being able to handle the the ups and downs and and some things that go your way and they don't go your way in the professional game, and and you 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 have to stay even. You can't let it get to you, especially in the media.
0: Yeah, the, the the line that's interesting to me outside of him actually singling out Javi. To your point, that's a, a bridge that's burned. It sounds like it maybe it was already burned, so he's just he's just putting more gasoline on the flames. But the 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 line in the long term, I would like to return to the level where I came from.
3: Yeah, that's another one. Yeah.
0: That feels like a bit of a slight to yes, wh- it is. Whether he intended mm. that or not, it, it it just feels like a slight to the current situation that he's in. Uh, Jesse, thoughts on these comments from Sergio Desk?
2: Well, at first, I think. Uh, Chuck's comments are good to great, right? So the <laughs> there we go. He hit the nail. Yes, on I'll take that. I graduated wow. from
0: average to good. I love. That. I, I don't. I don't have anything
2: to add. I think what, the way you phrase that is perfect. And so, yeah. I mean, listen, this is Sergino a little bit, right? He he has personality. He has a little bit of an ego, and you know, it's important for him to get certain things off his chest. So that you know, you're probably right. He probably shouldn't say it, but you know i'm i'm not surprised and and you know i mean obviously he's still young and probably has some things to learn about about how to manage all of these situations but yeah i think the, all the things that charlie said are spot on
0: is that is that if you saw him available for a team that y- you were coaching w- would you knowing that he brings a little bit of this which i think is important right i mean having a little ego a little confidence in yourself does help on the field for sure and we've obviously, we've there's, seen plenty of moves
3: it's all about balance and balance and, yeah yeah. It, it, uh, if I, if I had a striker who talked that way, you know, it's like, I, I want my strikers to be confident, I, but then there's a, a line that you can't cross, right. That, which means you're putting yourself over your, t- your teammates. You're now talking to the media and saying, man, you know, it'd be nice to be at a, a back to, at my higher level. And that's, that's a shot at your teammates that they're not, they're not at the level that you're at when you're playing at your best that they haven't touched that level. Like there's no need to bring that into the equation. All that needs to be said is I'm enjoying my time here. If you want to talk about Barcelona, say maybe there's a chance where I go back and, and, and I hope I'm impressing Xavi on this loan, or I'm working on the things that Xavi wanted me to work on because there's a little bit of, of acting at play too, because who, who knows if Xavi's going to be there or not. But at the same time, it's like, why not give yourself the best opportunity just in case Shabby's there to give him, a, make him feel like, oh, all right, I'm working on myself to become better so that when I come back, you have a different thought. The, the, the thought process is different. Maybe you, you see me in a different light because I've already talked about working on myself on and off the pitch so that I fit into your plans.
0: Yeah. If anybody out there listening, watching wants to chime in, hit us up at CBS sports gold Lasso and tag me, Charlie and Jesse on it as well what do you think about these comments? And uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious. Let of me,
2: Jim, Jimmy, let me just chime in quickly. Um, you know, I, I find that when you coach highly talented players that often they have complex personalities. And I actually think that I, I often use football as a platform to help the character of the person develop and grow. And I find that if you can capture the ability for that person to really grasp how to be mature, what real work is like, what commitment to something bigger than yourself is, then the football part actually is relatively easy, especially when they're talented, right? So that for me, if I were to ever coach Sergino. That would be ultimately what my my emphasis would be, is that I would ha- try to form the type of relationship with him where we would have good trust, where we could have real open dialogue about each other and the situation and how Serginia could grow within what we're doing with our team and how that could benefit him as a player. And again, understanding the commitment to what it takes to be the absolute best version of yourself and the highest level of footballer that you can possibly become. So that for me, that has to be the goal. You don't when you're a footballer, you don't have 30 years to, to work on your overall personal development. You have to get it right relatively early on by the time you're 25, 26, 27, so that you really understand how to give yourself the real potential to be the best. So, yeah, that that's that's what whoever I think coaches Serginio, I think that will be a key.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that makes me have about three questions for you, Jesse. But we're going to get to that right after this break. We're almost to the finish line. So this is our last one. But uh, I think you like this question. So don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Call it What You Want. I'm Jimmy with Chuck and Jesse. And Jesse, I do have a question for you based on what you'd said there at the very end about Serginio Dest and how you wanted to work with him in and in, in work with his character. I feel like what could happen is such a high-pressure situation as it is at the highest levels that you've coached at in particular. Do you have the time to do that? Because it's so results-oriented. How do you figure out a way to... To balance trying to get to know the human, but also like, I need to quickly figure that out and establish this trust because we need to get results and now. Got, like, Otherwise, I wouldn't. 17 other be here players. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. And,
3: right. and, and it's like, oh, are you going to do that with 17 other players? You know, it's like. Yeah, the yeah. answer is yes.
0: Me and, for for Chuck, me, the
2: answer I, is yes. I've
0: got popcorn on right eating the eating
2: yeah, popcorn. But I mean, right. if
0: you're, listen,
2: if you're going to take on the task of coaching a team, uh, at least this is the way I think of it, it's a holistic challenge to me, and it's about. Maximize the potential of every single player that you have within your within your umbrella, right? So you say 17 other players, it's usually 25 to 23 to 25 squad players. And then even another five to 10 fringe players that are either with the second team or the academy that are part of the first team. So it takes a lot of time. Like I think I've told you guys maybe about this, but in Germany, they say there's two types of leadership. There's le- leading from fear and leading from convincing. A lot of coaches lead from fear, but they say that fear has a quicker effect, but it has a it's shorter lasting, whereas convincing takes more time and more energy, but it will it's a more of a long-lasting effect. And so, I don't look at it as convincing, but I do look at it as an a total investment in the person in every possible way. And, and listen, obviously there's categories. If you're older and you're a leader, there's a different kind of investment in the relationship for your captain types, for your leadership types, for the guys that have been around and what the expectation is for them and and the allowance for them to make mistakes versus the young players and and now their understanding of what it takes and what commitment means and what selflessness means and how to help them grow. So, And there's everything in between. And then there's culturally factors. Where are they from? How was their family life? There's all kinds of things that can contribute to the makeup of how people ultimately handle things when they're difficult. And that's what you're trying to get to the core of is you want to try to bring out the be- absolute best in each person that you work with so that when the games are really tough, it makes a difference and it helps you win. That's the
3: goal. Jesse, I, I, I just want to go off at of the lead by fear, lead by convincing because... I think just like players, you, you could go one way or the other, but then there's the balance of both. And I look like I look at a guy like Jurgen Klopp, and it feels to me that Jurgen Klopp leads by convincing, but there is that fear factor. And I think the coaches who can give you a little bit of the fear factor with the convincing are usually the ones that are always gonna do it because you gotta have it feels like because you're a manager, you know results are, are it's that's the business. It's results driven. And so how often do you get the chance to see through the convincing part? You know, like for instance, your time at Leeds, they didn't give you the the amount of time to convince not only the players and the supporters, just the whole culture, right? So how do you navigate the intense results driven business versus the holistic hey, if if we want to make this a long lasting five, 10, 15 year relationship, then you got, you got to allow me the time to, to, to give the convincing. So how do you balance the, the fear factor versus the convincing?
2: I mean, listen, you don't ever make decisions that you think are going to be dictated by if you're going to be fired or not on the weekend or right. You're for me, at least you're always thinking about, okay, you have to have a vision for the, for each player and for the team, What does tomorrow look like? What does the weekend look like for the match? What does it look like in one month? What does it look like in six months? What does it look like in a year? How are we going to evolve the squad? How are we going to evolve the way we play? play? How are we going to evolve the understanding of what the leadership is, of the commitment, all these things? But you have to have sort of these parallel lines that that coexist about where you are in the moment and what you need now, and then where you're trying to go in the long term. And so yeah, it, it's, not, it's not always easy, and it's not always about positivity. Sometimes you have to come down hard if players aren't behaving the way they need to be, if the commitment's not what it needs to be, if if you need a result. Like before we played Liverpool when I was in Leeds, I said to them, guys, now all the talk and all the things that we've been doing, right now all that matters is we have to figure out how to go to Anfield, the toughest place in the world to play, and fi- and we have to get a result on the weekend or we're going to put every our entire environment in jeopardy. Right. And so, yeah, you have to, you still have to understand how to push the buttons, but you always have to do it. I think with the, with the vision of what you're trying to create in the long term.
0: So, so Chuck, let's pretend Jesse isn't here. I don't know when this guy sleeps, if he's managing that many people. And, and I'm surprised that's why they say don't coach. Don't, yes. Yeah. That's why you guys, <laughs> that's why why you age like six, six years and six months. Is that all, all my friends that coach, they look, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they
2: look how ha- yeah. They, See, this they this look is called cool. a smile, cool. Jimmy. This is a smile on my
0: face. <laughs> I absolutely love that you're embracing that type of challenge. Um, yeah. and, and everything that comes with it. But I don't know when you sleep. I, I'm surprised you didn't Marcelo Bielsa and just have a, a, a bed in the in the office at Leeds, uh, like he did. But um Is
3: it is it is it would you say it's uh let's say a six a.m. to six p.m. type gig? The problem is you can't turn it
2: off. The biggest problem, it's not the time you spend at the training ground. It's the fact that your brain never shuts down. That's the biggest Mm -hmm. challenge is like you you lose yourself a bit in the job, really. I mean, you know, and you you have to love it. You have to be passionate about it. And you have to also try to find balance so that you're still honoring your, your family and personal life. Um, but it's it's just the higher, the higher the stakes go and the higher the commitment needs to be. And, and the more that I have to get things right, right. That's the challenge in the premier league, especially when you're at one of these clubs, that's fighting relegation. Like you have to be right more than you're wrong. And you have to, and you're toiling, toiling and thinking about it, uh, constantly. So it's not as much pressure. It's just that you feel that it's, you, you 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 take on such a big responsibility. You just feel so um, responsible for so many things that you don't want to let people down. You don't want to let the team down that you want to do everything you can to give the team the best chance to be successful. Well, to find our balance
0: here, call it what you want. We're going to call it a show. We have personal life too. And so does everybody watching and listening. This has been a fantastic broadcast and show and platform to really get into it. I appreciate you, Jesse, for giving us so much insight. Yes. Into the inner workings of what it means to coach at the highest levels. So that Chuku. is very, very cool. Uh, Chuku, not so much, but uh, we appreciate your mahogany behind you, Chuku. Uh, <laughs> but that's it. So thank you again for listening and watching and enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you very, very soon. Later.